When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SCP-184 The Architect By most people's standards, we live in a relatively mundane world, especially when compared to the wonders of fantasy and science fiction. That is not to say that we don't sometimes have our own wonders, and in fact we'll be discussing one of them today, but fictional universes such as SCP tend to be on a different level. But sometimes, what can look fairly harmless on the surface, such as SCP-184, can also hide an incredible truth behind it. SCP-184 is a small metallic object in the shape of a dodecahedron, composed of an unknown highly magnetic substance. When inside of a structure, whether it be a mansion or a cardboard box, 184 will cause the interior dimensions of the structure to expand, without affecting the exterior size. This process starts one hour after 184 enters a structure, and first begins by extending the walls out, eventually adjusting the ceiling as well until the interior has tripled in size. So far, this sounds fairly beneficial, greatly expanding spaces with no downsides, but 184 isn't done yet. At this point, 184 will begin to create entirely new rooms for the structure, again without adjusting the exterior dimensions. At first, 184 seems to copy furniture and other items that already exist in the structure, making rooms that look consistent with the originals. But over time, the process begins to deviate. Rooms will become oddly shaped, doors open to nowhere, and hallways will deform into tiny crevices or twisting mazes. Also, items within rooms will start to be made from inappropriate materials, such as glass books or wooden microwaves. This process continues as long as 184 is kept inside of a structure, with rooms deviating more and more until 184 is removed, at which point any rooms that were created will remain, but no new ones will pop up. To prevent 184 from turning one of the Foundation's sites into a planet-sized maze of nightmarish rooms and hallways, 184 is kept outdoors, in an area resembling a park, attached to a high-powered electromagnet disguised as statuary. It was first retrieved by the SCP Foundation after they started to look into the Kowloon-walled city, intrigued by its bizarre nature. I've done an entire video on the Walled City if you're interested in a more historical perspective, but basically it was a mostly ungoverned, self-contained city that was generally considered to be the most densely populated location on Earth until its demolition in 1994. The city consisted of ramshackle stacks of homes and businesses on top of one another, filled in with jury-rigged electrical wires and water pipes. The city served as a testament to humanity's ingenuity and adaptability, but is definitely one of the most curious things to exist in the modern world. 
a city like that, where space comes at such a premium, could certainly find a use for an anomalous item that expanded interiors. Mobile Task Force Zeta-9, the Mole Rats, who you may remember from SCP-1730, were sent into the walled city to retrieve SCP-184. We get information about this retrieval from the personal log of one of the Mole Rats, named Gordon Richards. I'll read his first entry. Dispatched to the Kowloon Walled City to recover an object and document anything affected by it. I have never seen such a horrible place. The filth is everywhere, whole walls and even structures made of garbage. If you crack your suit for even a second, you get flooded by the smell of smoke, cooking, sweat, machine oil, and excrement. Henry fell into a pit used as a sewer on the ground level after breaking through a trash walkway. He was fine, the suit was just filthy, but he threw up and had to be removed. I'm not sure if he's going to work out. Everyone here avoids us like the plague, or darts out to throw trash or insults. They are a tribe, and a territorial one at that. The sheer crush of humanity is intimidating, and I'm glad I have the suit between me and them. The object is supposed to be somewhere in the core of this mass, but getting there is going to be tricky. The Mole Rats, assisted by local law enforcement, performed a number of raids throughout the city, finding a few homes affected by 184. Gordon remarks on how strange it is to go inside one and place your hand on a wall, knowing you should be six feet outside of the structure in mid-air. He notes that Henry is better today, but is rather jumpy, and Gordon caught him muttering to himself. They continue to do recon to hopefully find where 184 is currently located. Two days later, Henry was swarmed by a mob of locals and carried off deep into the city. The Mole Rats were planning a rescue op when Henry's voice popped up on the radio, rambling about the endless heart of the city and the hell of glass. His radio cut off again, and shortly after he came running down an alleyway, screaming like a madman. He slammed into a dead end, but broke through it, falling six stories onto a pile of metal junk. The remaining mole rats decided to round up some of the local leaders and interrogate them about what's going on. The interrogation inevitably involves physical coercion, and the mole rats learn that the locals refer to the object as the Builder, and that it's kept in a sort of temple in one of the oldest parts of the city. One of the elders says that it makes wonderful things, but only the worthy can look upon it without being overwhelmed by it. When the mole rats first arrived, the locals had moved the object deep into the temple so that they would not find it, but the mole rats decide to head into this temple anyways to retrieve it. The next log entry is a few days later, and Gordon reports that the temple is amazing, as it seems like someone built twelve temples into one. They find 83 rooms connected to one another by sliding doors, each with a tiny Buddha in the center of the floor. They also found a room that was a perfect reproduction of the first altar room, but was carved out of one solid mass of wood, with no tool marks or seams. They uncovered documents written by locals that described how they continued to move the object deeper into the temple as it built new rooms, 
and believed it to be a gift from God. They would also loan the object to other locals in the city in exchange for donations. By Gordon's account, the mole rats should currently be 20 feet above the top of the city right now, but are still inside of a single small building. Presumably two more days pass, although Gordon seems less sure of the date now, and he has split away from the other mole rats to continue exploring. He passes through wavy halls and rooms made entirely of jade, chairs made from thousands of tiny dragon statues and tables made of super-dense paper. Gordon's mental state is beginning to deteriorate now that he's alone in this endless abstract maze. He begins to hear voices as he runs low on food and water, and he continues to climb through this anomalous location. He encounters a room filled with millions of lit candles, and proceeds to remove his helmet and smash a number of candles with it before crying for hours. He drops a pick down a vertical shaft, but never hears it hit a bottom. Soon his food and water supplies run out entirely, and the location's design continues to grow even stranger, as he runs down a hallway with thousands of doors. He cuts his suit and feet to ribbons on a floor that looked like carpet, but turned out to be super sharp stone. He also continues to hear Henry's voice, despite Gordon telling him that he's dead. Gordon's final two logs read, Top of shaft, hall to forever, lights everywhere going to kill the heart, and hell is heaven, heaven is hell, life is wonderful. We're informed that Gordon was never recovered from inside the temple, and that SCP-184 was retrieved by the other mole rats. Gordon's log was found in the rubble of the temple after it was demolished. SCP-184 is an intriguing enough article on its own, as an early example of a really anomalous location, combined with the natural strangeness of the Kowloon Walled City. But there is a tale I'd like to discuss here as well. The tale is called Codename The Truth, and the effect of its final reveal is somewhat diminished since you're watching a video on SCP-184, but I'll summarize it nonetheless. It's a tale that concerns the true identity of SCP-001, starting by asking, what is the easiest way to hide the identity of SCP-001? It discusses how the 001 page is intentionally misleading, suggesting that none, one, several, or all of the 001 proposals are the true one, and that most people conclude that there is no SCP-001, or that all of 001 proposals are true. Most people, however, don't think outside of the box and don't realize the truth. We're then given a series of transcribed audio logs from a Foundation expedition into deep space in order to observe parts of space imperceptible from Earth. The Foundation has suspected something is off about some distant galaxies and now possesses the technology to travel much faster than light so that they can have first-hand observations. A number of individuals are sent on the mission, but we mostly only follow Frank as he is recording the logs. It takes them about 18 days to pass by the galaxy Messier 83, which is approximately 15 million light years from Earth. 
two months later, they've passed by GN-Z11, the farthest galaxy observable from Earth, 32 billion light-years away. The next log finds the ship approaching the nearest galaxy, and it turns out to be a copy of the Milky Way. Not perfect, but close enough. Moving into the galaxy, they find a star made of ice cream, tasting of avocados and cigarettes. Another star composed entirely of liquid chlorophyll, one of solid iodine, and a copy of Proxima Centauri made of charcoal. Finally, they reach the copy of Earth, but find it also messed up, with Australia apparently a solid block of gold, the American continent made of maple syrup, and the oceans are glowing. Frank also mentions that another crew member, Marie, is pregnant, although they're not sure that it's her husband's child. The ship leaves the galaxy to head to the next nearest one, but finds that it's another copy of the Milky Way, just as messed up as the other one. Mercury is made of ice, Jupiter is composed of an edible jelly, and Frank describes this Earth as a sarkic utopia, comprised of flesh, bone, and blood. As expected, the third galaxy they approach looks to be another copy, and Frank mentions an incident with a crew member whose arm was broken while fixing a strange mechanical fault. The ship continues on its mission, finding more copies of the Milky Way, each as strange as the last, and Frank mentions other anomalies out here, such as a galaxy that always seems to be in the distance, and another galaxy that their computers won't pick up, despite them being able to physically see it. He also says their computers have been picking up some voices from pockets of space, and occasionally their entire ship will go offline for a brief period of time before turning back on. Additionally, Marie has been quarantined by security for an unknown reason. They find an Earth with a copy of Las Vegas made of poker chips and cards, and a New York carved out of a single mass of obsidian, but they have yet to find any signs of life. Frank continues to list the oddities, with Tokyo made of seaweed, Chicago carved from a giant mango, and Uranus made of a silent lattice of turning gears. The sun is covered by a vast horde of stone that shift and move whenever they stop looking at it, seemingly a reference to SCP-173. He also says Mars is made of camel leather, and a single raging immortal walks its surface, although he doesn't elaborate on that. Security around Marie is increased, up to 20 guards armed with assault rifles, and the ship begins to make its journey back home. The next log is from another crew member named David, rather than Frank, and David informs us that Frank, along with most of the crew, is dead. Marie finally gave birth to some sort of eldritch abomination that slaughtered nearly everyone. David tells us to stay the hell away from this corner of the universe, as it's a cesspool of anomalies and it continues to expand. He then realizes why and wonders if the overseers already knew what they would find out here. He remarks that the cafeteria is only issuing out rat poison, 
but says that they didn't go far enough for the ship to really start to be warped. The final log seems to be automated, as it contains only different fragments of audio from past logs randomly thrown together. The report ends by saying that these logs have been buried to hide the truth, which is that the easiest way to hide the identity of SCP-001, the architect of the universe and its infinite hordes of flaws, is to not classify it as 001, but instead as 184. In other words, just as SCP-184 was capable of expanding a structure by adding to the interior with new rooms made of flawed items, so could it expand the universe by making flawed copies of our galaxy. Essentially, our universe was the structure that 184 was expanding, and it is not a perfect architect. Like other SCP-001 proposals, you can feel free to accept this as the truth or not. Whether SCP-184 is an interesting little SCP featuring an exploration into the fascinating Kowloon Walled City, or it's a far more impactful part of the SCP universe, it holds a lot of appeal. It does make you wonder though, if SCP-184 treats the entire universe as a structure to be expanded without changing the exterior, what exactly is the exterior?